Hey, everybody. Welcome to the HVAC Joy Lab podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Shirk. This podcast focuses on creating more and more conversations about what optimizes life for an HVAC technician. My goal is to produce the most helpful content available for techs, full stop. Today, you're going to hear from Isaac Horn, owner and founder of Ignite Heating and Refrigeration in South Central Minnesota. Isaac got his first job in the industry at only 17, was a service manager by 22, and at 23 started his own business. You'll get to hear his story and his advice for young and up-and-coming techs. Okay, let's get started. Welcome everybody to HVAC Joy Lab. I'm joined with or joined by Isaac Horn, who's calling in from Minnesota. Welcome, Isaac. Hey, how's it going? Good, very good, very good. Well, listen, Isaac, let's get started. Just tell us a little about you, about your company. Uh, um, let's start there. Tell us about you and your company. Yeah, so so like I said, my name is Isaac. I started Ignite Heating and Refrigeration um, about a year ago, so I'm new to the business realm. Um, but figuring it out sometimes the hard way, sometimes the easy way, but that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so tell us a little bit about the jump. Like, were you, were you working for someone else as a tech before you got started and what, what did the jump over look like? Yeah. So I, I was working for, um, a local company here as a service manager mm -hmm. and, uh, the longer I was at the company, the more I realized I had aspirations, uh, to, you know, to go up in the business, um, and to grow myself personally as well and realize that that jump was, would be best made by starting my own company. That way I get to kind of delve into some, some things that I find fun, like building science and stuff like that too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it was a pretty easy transition. Um, financially, my family is pretty much set already just because I have some investments in a rental house and, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so all that was taken care of. So the jump was really pretty easy. I I've, I'm somewhat, you know, just love people and relationships. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of customer relationship side made the business <laughs> start sure. a lot faster than than maybe some some other people. But yeah, yeah. So it's been a lot of sure. fun. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I noticed that a lot. That um, there's there's kind of this this whether it's kind of planned or not this kind of financial prep that goes into making yeah. that jump you know yeah. whether um you know I, I did a previous podcast with somebody who said i got completely out of debt my house is paid off and then i did it yeah or totally. what's what's tough is if you know you have a five thousand dollar a month nut and <laughs> and then you kind of decide you want to go on your own and it's like yeah well 
you know, if I don't have a lot of money in the bank, that's going to be a very stressful transition. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Per- personal debt, I always tell people, is one of the biggest hindrances that you can have in your life. You know, yeah. if you got yeah. that $5,000 payment every month, you know, but. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I actually have a planned podcast coming up specifically on that exact topic. Cool. Like for yeah. technicians, because for a lot of reasons, one, uh, most technicians, there's exceptions, but most technicians leave, live a seasonal uh, work life. So they're making a lot of money part of the year and not very sure. much another part of the year. You know? Sure. Yeah. And the more it's funny, those those people you owe money to, they kind of want to get paid no matter what month it is. <laughs> yeah. You know? Every month. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And so um, one of the really important ways to just establish a quality of life as a technician is to address that issue of personal debt. Yeah. And, totally. you know, it's, it's not easy, but I know a number of people who have done it and it's um, it's, just, it's a, it's a very valuable step to take. Yeah, totally. I was really blessed with parents who kind of steered me in the right direction from when I was young with budgeting and, um, you know, different, different courses and stuff that we took. Right. So, um, just right off the gate was, was just a really big blessing. So one of the things I hope to pass down to my own kids too. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is it, you know, that's what, tell us the rest of your sort of origin story. How did you yeah. find air conditioning? Uh, most people I talked to were not dreaming of doing it while they were in high school. <laughs> that's um, true. Yeah. What's your story of getting into the business in the first place? Yeah. So I was going to be a police officer. That was my, that was my goal in high school. And, um, I was homeschooled. So when I was 16, Minnesota has a program called PSEO where you basically can just go to college for free. The last two years of high school, the government will pay for it. And so, um, public school students and homeschool students can take care of or can uh, benefit from that option. So Ah. my mom, just said, hey, this this school is closer to our house, so why don't you just come and look at it um, just to see if it's a better fit for you, at least get your generals done there. And just yeah. by chance, it was in the middle of summer, but just by chance, the HVAC professor happened to be in and told the whole touring party about how great HVAC was. And mm-hmm. in that moment, I just, something switched in my brain that I knew that's what I had to do. And wow. uh, that's figured awesome. that, yeah. Yeah. So I figured that even if I didn't like it, I could still go to college for something else, but still be able to work and make some money. So that's right. where I started. Then my, um, so when I was 17, I got hired by a local company and got trained wow. there. Yeah. 17. Yeah, trained wow. there. <laughs> well, they didn't ask me how old I was. I mean, I, I, put, it on, <laughs> I put it on the application, but I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't say, you know, to them, to their, to them that, Hey, I'm 17. I don't know. Um, if you know that, but I put it on the application. So yeah. I, I, I turned 18, like a month after I got hired. Oh, so it okay. wasn't a big deal. <laughs> but anyway, so I started working there, got trained in. Um, and the guy who trained me in, who's kind of the lead service tech left. Mm. And so I was thrown into that position because it's a small company. So I was thrown into that position of, Hey, there's all the stuff that you haven't worked on before, but we need you to take care of these accounts. Otherwise we're going to lose the business. So that's when I really kind of kicked my life into gear, started listening to tons of podcasts, reading a lot of, you know, books and articles and stuff. So, um, yeah. So at that point I started growing and growing and growing and growing Mm -hmm. and to set my dreams really high. 
and then realize that if hey if my dreams are this high i need to need to need to buy a company right need the manager of a company or own a company and yeah. so i decided to to start this uh this little company out well, so good for you good for yeah. you and for now it's just you yeah, for, for now, it's just me. I have a couple of helpers oh. that help me oh. out from time to time. Um, the, the growth process is a little bit faster than I had originally anticipated. Oh. So I'm kind of anticipating I'll need to hire somebody in the next year or so. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I, that's that's one of the areas I'm not exactly sure how to do yet. So I've hired a business coach to, oh, good. to, good. to walk me through those things because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 23. So I'm Right. I, I don't have a lot of life under my belt. I don't have a lot of business experience under my belt, but I love the trade. And I mm-hmm. love my customers and I like learning. So we're getting it figured yeah. out. Well, that's <laughs> perfect. I mean, you, you're in your twenties and you got the, I'm 54. So, you know, looking back, uh, yeah. I was just, in fact, I was just in a session this morning with some technicians and sure. we were, they were super, they're supervisors and they're all have a lot of experience. And we were joking about how we all wish we had somebody come up to us in our twenties and put their arm around us and go, are you sure you really want to do this? And <laughs> well, here you are doing the right thing and uh, off and on your way. So good for you. Yeah. I've heard it said that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So uh, I, yeah. I tried to get pretty intentional with the people that I spend my most time with. So yeah. I figured I needed to hire somebody to fill in one of those slots because, yeah. you know, I just needed that yeah. good for you. Good for you. Well, and I'll give you, I'll give you, but also for our listeners who are, you know, they want to consider doing what you're doing. The, the life of a, and you're residential, right? Residential air conditioning. Yeah. About about 50% residential, 50% commercial. Oh, okay. Well, the, yeah, it applies both ways, but the, there's kind of a life cycle where you'll grow to somewhere around $2 million. Right. And up to that point, everybody, almost everybody you hire is billable to a job so that they're contributing like them being on your payroll makes you money as long as the work is there. Right. Sure. And then somewhere around two million, you start feeling the need for and do have the need for a back office. You need to start thinking about a dispatcher, an office manager uh is marketing a a firm or a person you know does that where does that come in a parts guy a hot shot delivery parts guy like there's these these roles that begin to to show up to some some portion of a guy's time to be a service manager or, or all of it and so those jobs uh those roles are not directly billable to a customer so they squeeze your margins down sure but then after that bubble happens maybe you get to maybe three and a half million and then the profit margins go back up again. But I talked to lots of guys who kind of didn't see it coming and they're, sure. they feel frustrated and stuck because their margins are going down and they don't, they don't know when it comes to an end, but it does sure. come to an end. Like yeah. where, you know, once you've built that back office, it scales to many more technicians, but um, that, so just, you know, just for your benefit and for the people who are listening in, that it it takes a you know it depends on what kind of work you're doing i mean if you're installing $35,000 chillers that's more than 2 million dollars if you're doing <laughs> traditional residential home service it might be 1.8 you know yeah, it depends yeah, right. you know what the the work is but um and the other thing i wonder if if it has been a challenge for you when guys get started the difference in uh the invoicing and cash flow of 
uh, residential job where they pay on the spot versus a commercial job where it might be 30, 60, even 90 days net. And you have to float some expense in there um, until, until that invoice gets paid. Yeah. Most of my commercial jobs um, aren't really high dollar amount. So I don't usually have a lot of money on the line going into those. Um, You know, it's usually less than a few thousand dollars for those bills for the service, but um, I can definitely see how, you know, if you're putting in five, you know, new rooftop units, you have a lot of money going into it, but I haven't, haven't had to uh, handle that problem yet. But I appreciate you bringing that up because now I need to think about that and figure out how I'm going to handle that. Yeah. It becomes a thing, you know, like um, I have a client in Houston, that's a larger commercial company. There may be 120 techs. Sure. Um, and they have to count, they have to lay aside as much as four or five million dollars just wow. to flow the business because of pipeline expenses or, you know, depending on who the customer is, they can't partial bill. And so they have sure. to kind of plan that out or they just run out of cash. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's good to think about if you get into the commercial side of it. Residential is much more straightforward. Right. You know, if you've got a line of credit at the supply house, and they're going to pay on the spot, you know, you can pretty much do it without much cash out of pocket. Right. Um, a little bit. You have to have a truck and some things. Yeah. Commercial costs a lot more. Uh, it requires a lot more cash. Yeah. Uh, yeah or some some access to it, you know, however you set that up. Yeah. Yeah. And most of my customers are like commercial stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not putting in you know, multi-million dollar. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, a five-ton split's a five-ton split, whether it's yeah. going on a bank or it's going on a, a yeah. house, you know? Yeah, so, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. interesting. So what do you love? That This is my other question, your superpower. What is it about the business that you love the most? I really like that HVAC can take you to some degree anywhere you want to grow, anywhere you want to go. If you're willing to grow, you can be sales, right? You can be marketing, you could do coaching, right? You could do, you could just go and handle customer interactions, you know, just be the guy who goes to the front door and knocks on the front door and takes care of the service. You know, it kind of bridges the gaps in a lot of different areas. You know, I have friends, you know, in the engineering space and all these other spaces. And I realized that I, I kind of get a little bit of each one of those as a HVAC guy and that's one of the things i I love about it you can grow so much you know even just now more and more research is coming out with like building performance so that's something i'm really passionate about indoor air quality so it's kind of seems like there's a potential for unlimited growth but um yeah that's one of the things i just really love about it interesting i'm a good example of that myself you know i i my grandfather was a tech and my mother worked for johnson controls for 40 years um, but I am like mechanically zero, like, like <laughs> nothing. Like, like my son and I used to try to put together his little Lego things. And I was like, I, I, I'm just, this isn't happening. And so, so I went on a more academic track and ended up sure. getting into a PhD program and wrote a dissertation on technicians. Sure. And so I ended up on the consulting side of it and, you know, research and have clients who basically want to improve lives of improve the lives of technicians. Uh, as part of their retention uh, strategies. And um, so I, you know, again, I'm in the same business, but from a completely, you know, unexpected angle. Yeah. Yeah. So so did you go from college right to being 
um, a coach or was that no, like, no, I had, I I'll tell you my story. It's a very, uh, circuitous kind of a path. Uh, I, uh, out of high school, I went to college and for the first, uh, 17 years of my adult life, I was actually a local church pastor wow. and, um, went through multiple master's degree programs in my twenties. And that's what I was joking earlier that I wish someone to put their arm around me and said, John, you don't, you only need one. You don't need more than one. And, um, and then I started a church from scratch wow. and, um, in my hometown and that went well, it's still up there doing its thing. Um, you could look it up online. It's the crystal Valley missionary church. And, um, but then I got to where I, I really felt like this isn't where I needed to keep going. I felt like I, I did sure. what I needed to do in that sort of yeah. domain and um, didn't know for sure what was next, but I always had a, being a consultant in the back of my mind, sure. but I felt like I didn't have the right experience base to get there. And so I didn't know for sure what to do. I'd raised a lot of money in the past with boys and girls clubs and with the uh, church stuff. And so I took a job at the university of Southern Mississippi um, as a, a large gift fundraiser in charge of the arts and humanities. And okay. that went pretty well um, for a few years, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. Ultimately, you know, it was, a, I needed a job. And so that's, it filled that uh, space, but I got into the PhD program there in human capital development. So got a PhD in business ultimately and studied technicians. And that's what leveraged me into uh, being a consultant. Wow. And, and at the beginning, I didn't really even, um, uh, do only air conditioning. I did. I, I, I tell people I did, where does it hurt? How can I help consulting? You know, it was, do you need yeah. me to wash your car? I'll walk your sure. dog. Can I invoice for that? <laughs> take, so, take the money where it comes from. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, but then over time, as with anything, it, you know, you, you, it, focus begins to narrow your sure. expertise begins to gel just like in, you know, if you're doing the mechanical side of air conditioning, you know, eventually you become a chiller guy or you become, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever is your, your kind of focus, it kind of either you find it or it finds you. Yeah. And yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. And then that's, you know, little by little, I just, it was what I love doing more and more. Uh, my grandfather since passed away and, and doing this work, especially for technicians really helps me feel close to him. Sure. You know? I used yeah. as a little kid, I used to ride around in his horrible 1970s green Dodge <laughs> van. And my job was to hold the water when he went in on a service call. And, you know, it was the seventies. So you could bring this little kid in with you and, and nobody yeah. really kind of looked at it funny. Yeah. And um, uh, so, yeah, so it, it uh, it's both a very meaningful profession for me uh, and it's been great to me professionally too. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. That's yeah. a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I've had a, I've had quite an unusual path in life. It's had a lot of, uh, it's like a flight that gets rerouted a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but it, uh, it's, you know, I got a wife that loves me and, and I got kids that love me and, and, uh, so far so good. Yeah, totally. If, if, uh, you can, whatever your, your path is, if, if at the end of your life, you have a wife that loves you, kids that love you, if your relationship with God is good. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's what matters. Yeah. So I'd like to go back, um, your decision to jump out and start your own company. Yeah. And the way you talked about that, you referred to, you had goals of your own growth, personal growth. Yeah. And those were really what drove you to the decision to start your own company. Yeah. And yeah. 
which I think is pretty interesting. I think most technicians who see people who started a company, they really, in their mind, think this is just about money. Sure. They've made, they, they can't make more money than they're making now. They want to make, you know, they, instead of being the guy who they want to be the guy who makes a million bucks instead of the guy who gets a ham at Christmas, you know? Yeah. So they, they think that's the reason people do it, but I have not met very many people who have started their own company in this industry, primarily driven by money. It's usually either freedom. Sure. uh, I want the, I want the feeling of doing what I do best every day and where I was at. I, that was never possible. Yeah. Or I want to feel like I'm advancing and, you know, you referred to getting at 23, you were already the service manager and yeah. usually companies that size are family owned. And yeah. so it's not like you're going to become the next whatever. Yeah. And so there's this perceived ceiling that's been hit and, yeah. you know, some combination of, I don't like the relationship dynamic here, uh, the boss dynamic. I, I want to grow uh, into something more and experience more or just the freedom to do what I do best every day. Those are the main three reasons that I hear people talk about starting a company. None of the three are primarily, I want to make a million dollars. Yeah. 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 Right. And of course you hope in the back of your mind, you hope that it works out financially and that, <laughs> right. you know, maybe you do make a million dollars, but I've heard enough stories of people who have started their own companies um, or own companies. And they say, you know, it's not all that it's cracked up to be as far as money goes. Yeah. So I knew that that couldn't be my goal going into it. So yeah, those, those three things, you just hit it right on the head of where exactly where I was coming at. Yeah. yeah so as soon as I had that inclination, I wanted to keep growing and, um, you know, prayed it about it a bunch, made sure it was the right decision to make and yeah, jump, jumped all in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very good. Very good. Well, so you've lived life as a technician as well. You kind of are straddling yeah. two worlds now. So if you had advice for a technician, you know, guys want to live their best lives. Like what is your coaching to a guy who's out there in a truck right now listening to this podcast? Yeah. Um, I would say two things. Uh, number one, um, you have to, if you really want to grow, you know, if you want to make it to the next step, you need to choose to learn, right? Mm -hmm. You need to choose to do the hard work of whatever it is for you listening to podcasts. There's lots of great podcasts, including this one, um, like HVAC school podcast is one of my favorites. Um, but there's other podcasts as well. Um, plenty of books, articles, Facebook groups, you know, it's pretty easy to learn right now in the information age. Um, mm -hmm. but lots of people that I see that are stuck or aren't growing, in their career and their personal life are doing so because they've made a decision to prioritize the wrong thing. So that brings me to what I would say. The second part is that we need to have the right priorities. Um, so I, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, there's this saying um, that's maybe it's a little bit silly, but it's joy. So Jesus, mm -hmm. others, you. So first off for me, I have to have my relationship with Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Second off, I need to have my relationship with others. Right then I need to have my relationship, you know, with, you know, my, my person, right. You know, yeah. I need to think the right things about myself too. Um, so I would say that those are the, the two things and the times I see people get unhappy with where they're at. It seems like I can sometimes, a lot of times trace it back to either their priorities aren't right. They're going after money first yeah. or they're going after whatever it is first, the, the next truck that they can buy or they're stuck because they've 
they're not learning, right? They're not mastering something. If you want to be really successful in something, you really need to actually master it. And uh, I've heard it said it takes four hours a day for 10 years to master something, right? Yeah. Four hours every single day for 10 years to master something. And rarely will somebody ever be willing to put four hours in disciplined every day yeah. to get actually something mastered. I don't know if that's yeah. something you've seen too. Yeah. And I would say as a technician, um, it, it fluctuates a little bit, depends how much time you're in the field. Um, yeah. I would say minimum is five years. Sure. And, and I would say max would be 10 years, but it's in that range. And there's different levels, you know, there's, some, there's that guy who's been doing it so long. He's just the sound he hears walking up to a piece of equipment. He already knows what's wrong. <laughs> You know yeah, right. There's that guy. But then there's also the guy who just, you know, he catches. So let's call it 15 calls a week yeah, for five years. Sure. Well, you put in thousands of calls at that point. And if you want to just say, I know how to get an address. I know how to walk to a door. And, and you know, some most guys don't start right there. They start as a helper. Then they become install crew, then install uh crew chief and then they go to service and then maybe go to sales sure. and there's kind of a natural path there but but the that whole process of the discipline of getting up getting in the truck yeah. going to a house knocking on the door tucking in your shirt you know talking yeah. right to the customer all the the stuff you know the basic stuff um there's about five years worth there and, sure. and that dynamic it's funny we're talking about this now because I just talked about it this morning with the the other group I was with. Sure. It when guys are in their 20s, one of the things I see most that I I want to encourage them is invest the time to get good at something. Yeah. Right? Don't don't um uh you don't have to be good at everything. Right? right. But by the time you're 5 years in and 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 I would add to this school is very valuable but it's not a school thing. It's a, sure. you can do it in the field thing. Right. Yeah. And get good enough that you feel like there's something I could chew gum and look out the window and do. Right? Sure. And at that point, the world opens up and you have a whole bunch of choices. Right. But I often meet guys who they're six months into their first job and they're like, this is dumb. I should be getting a raise by now. What they don't respect me here. I'm, you know, there's a, there's a dynamic. And I, I just want to like, say all that you want will be yours, but not yet. You have yeah. to put in the grind. You have to do the reps in order yeah. to get to where you can chew gum and look out the window and run service. And right. at that point you can choose who you want to work for uh, within reason. You can choose how much you want to make basically by how much you want to yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and you know, your life becomes your own at that point. And because you know what you're doing, it feels good to do what you do best every day. Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't happen in one day or one week yeah. or one year. Yeah. So yeah. that I appreciate what you just said, because that investment, there are lots of young 20 somethings that feel very frustrated because they put in the time to go to trade school, uh, paid the money maybe to go to trade school. They're out there now and they feel like, you know, I can't go buy a house on what they're paying me and, one of my, you know, my girlfriend, and I want to get married. If we have kids, I can't afford this. And it's, you, you just have to put in some time and it's not 20 years, you know, right. probably about five. And then all these options open up to you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what would you say, you know, when you were talking to those 20 some year olds, um, how do you lead someone and what they should invest in? Um, start with just your own instinct. What do you love? Sure. You know, there's basically two directions, I think, for a field technician, especially if you lean toward residential or light commercial. Um, either you love the tech or you love customer service. And you have to be sufficient at the other, whichever one sure. you love. You have to be sufficiently technically uh, competent, but you can love customer service and love people and be a very successful technician. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it gets a little lost, I think, in trade school, how important that relationship is with the customer. Because yeah. all you're looking at is refrigeration cycles and low voltage, low voltage and all that stuff, you know? Right. But man, to be able to connect with a customer, get on a first name basis, have them, you're their guy. Like mm -hmm. that's not only in business, but just if you're that kind of person, the, the enrichment that comes to uh, a person for having accumulating this day after day, you yeah. know, that's a very powerful part of the business. Or um, you can really love the tech. I mean, then there's a lot, even on the residential side, it used to be all commercial, you know, it used to be these fancy new mag chillers or, you know, some giant, we're going to install with a helicopter or 200 ton chiller on some building or whatever in the commercial side. Well, now the residential, I mean, there's systems that are pretty complicated that are going into some residential homes right now, residential yeah. settings yeah. that are not just, just some plug and play package unit. And, uh, so there's a lot of tech you can get into if that's what you really love, but, but you have to at least be adequate on the customer service side. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It seems to me that most of the callbacks and most customer complaints that I've seen isn't usually at the root of it, a complaint about the technical part mm -hmm. of it. You know, it's usually, it seems to me at least um, that it's more that the tech didn't make the customer feel comfortable so yeah. the customer calls a service manager right so they call me and say hey i don't think this guy knows what he's doing and you know i know the guy so i know that yeah. he knows what he's doing mm -hmm. but but he hasn't shown the customer that hey mrs jones this is your problem today this is how i'm going to fix it you know just talking to the customer you know yeah. building that rapport um yep. before you even start looking at the equipment yep that's right. That's exactly right. And I do some things with techs where we talk about the most, the, the, the dynamic of customer service revolves around the communication of status. So mm -hmm. I'll sure. just give you just a little nugget version of that. Uh, if you think about the way we communicate, there's components to it, right? And there's essentially five components. There's the data of what we're saying, and then there's the judgment uh, or the assessment of what we're saying, meaning it's 80 degrees outside is the data. It's hot outside is judgment or assessment, sure. right? Yep. Um, and then you've got your feelings, what you want and what you do. And first, the status initially is about separating data and judgment and making sure that you're communicating data to a customer. What a customer doesn't uh, necessarily appreciate, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of leeway but if you communicate, hey, customer, I got it. That's all judgment, no data. Yeah. So they don't know. They don't know you. Right now, if they know you, you can probably do a little bit more of that. 
but you're not giving them the status. And in the absence of information, everyone assumes the worst. Yep. Right. So as a, as a technician going in, give one, two, three points of data, your assessment or judgment, and then what you're going to do. And this is a status conversation. You walk in and go, okay, Mr. Customer, let's see here. It's, it's, uh, it's 140. Um, I'm going to need about 20 minutes to do some uh, diagnostic work here. Um, my judgment is, uh, based on what I heard and, and what you told me, you've got a compressor issue, but we're going to find out. What I'm going to do now is go take care of that, and I'll get back with you in 20 minutes and let you know what's going on. Right? Yeah, now, that's great. You see what I'm saying? If, yep. if you give data, 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 judgment, action, data, 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 judgment, action, you're communicating status with the customer. And this is now quality customer service. And you don't have to be kind of, uh, you know, double gunning them. You know what I mean? Where you're like, hey, yeah, hey, customer. Hey, hey, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't have to go there. That's not what great customer service is. Sure. Great customer service means the customer always knows the status of the situation. They know when you're coming. They know what's happening. They know what you have uh, diagnosed. They know which part house you're going to. They know, you know, as soon as you know, uh, we have to get parts. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to come back tomorrow and fix this. If it, if it's bad news, they still need to know. Right. Know? Don't do the thing where you kind of sneak out and they don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta yeah. go to the parts house, and they don't know you're gone now for three hours, and they have no idea what's happening. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, how I've you get calls to the service too. manager. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so that, great. I wrote yeah. that down. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple little model and easy to remember, but you know, it's, it's, if someone doesn't show it to you and lots of texts go on calls alone. So if someone doesn't show it to you, you just never kind of like, mm -hmm. if they're not mad, it must be okay. You right. Know? And it takes, it's harder to kind of get that, that skill set going because you're repeating something that isn't generating more skill. Right. Yeah, I've often found myself when talking with customers um, being really heavy on the data side. Uh -huh. Then you can just see their eyes glaze over right. and about five That's minutes right. after right. after I'm going down this rabbit trail of this problem, that problem, yeah. I finally realized I'm being an idiot. I need to stop. <laughs> I need to go back and explain the problem simply and yep. then address you know the relationship side of things too to make sure they understand. Um, yeah. And, Put it, put it back in their hands and say, what do you want to do? You know, instead of just me making that call for them. That's a really great point, Isaac, because you can also go too much data. Yeah, you know, that's, absolutely. That's because it's easy to do because you're, <laughs> you're you just spell out what's in your mind because you're processing the whole thing yeah. mentally and and they don't need to know all of it. It's just that it's kind of funny. It's like they if there's no data in what you're saying, they feel the absence of it. Yeah, but they don't really care or need to know all of it either. Right. They just need some data just validates that you're on it. Sure. You know, so that, yeah. yeah. And in your mind, what types of data do you think customers are looking for? Um, timelines for sure. How, sure. how soon will this be fixed? I mean, I think that's, I mean, how soon will it be fixed and how much will it cost are the two biggest ones. Right. Um, right. And then anything like, um, you know, sometimes a Q and a data, like what, you know, tell me how you use your thermostat. Tell me, you know, depending on what time of year it is and what's happening, 
people who don't understand uh, air conditioners think, well, it's kind of hot, so I should turn this down to 59. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so they don't yeah. know. They don't know. Right. And yeah. so some of that kind of Q&A also generates data as to what's happening. You know, right. fundamentally, you know, just something like, uh, well, it looks like your compressor is seized and that's a piece of data. And yeah. then, you know, and, and then data is also things like, uh, I need 15 minutes to draw up a quote, right? Rather than just seeing what's going on, don't say anything and start writing up a quote, tell them, okay, I see what the issue is. I'm about to draw up a couple of options. One is going to be to fix it. Two others are going to be replacements, right? And so I'll present all three to you. Uh, I'll need, if I'm going to do three of them, let's say, depending on your software, maybe I need more like 30 or 40 minutes, depending. But this is what I'm doing right now, right? That they want to know what you're doing. Do you ever go on a call, Isaac, and they sit on a chair and just sit there and watch you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, they <laughs> have they their... want to know what you're doing. They don't know what you're doing. That's why. Yep, they always have their do. bucket out, and it's by the <laughs> furnace because they've been working on the furnace themselves before you got there. Right. And then you get there, and then they sit on the bucket beside you. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's all that is is them. They don't. They they kind of sometimes they're technical and they want to know what's going on yeah. because they're curious, but a lot of times they just this is my house and I don't know what's going on. So I just, I don't know if you don't tell me I have to sit here. So I know. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think you're right. I think some of it is uh, I'm going to use the word power, you mm -hmm. know, because if I'm a homeowner and my furnace is breaking, you know, I negative 30 degrees outside and it's cold right. in my house, I'm powerless. Right. Yep. And so now I'm at the mercy of this guy who comes in or a lady yep. that comes in to fix my furnace. And so I think as a technician, even as a business owner or a salesperson, I think I think it's important to put an element of power back in the their hands, you know, whether that's through data decisions. Um, right. I've seen technicians just go in and say, here's what's your problem, here's how I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And not even give them the option of do you even want it fixed? Do you want it replaced? Right. There's yeah. three different options and how I can fix this. I can I can make everything like new again, or I can just put the part in to get you going. And uh, yeah. we oftentimes tie our own, I think, wallets to that decision. Yeah. Um, and uh, now all of a sudden the customer doesn't even have a decision to make. Right. The decision to make it, or I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't have the data or the option to make the decision to get a new system. Right. right. And that's, that's better right. for them in the long run because they have the warranty now, they have the efficiency, sure. but yeah. And they can, they can decide, you know, it, it, now some companies have a model where the guy doing the diagnosis isn't going to sell. Sure. Somebody else is going to come back and sell, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm personally more a fan of the one man uh, machine. Sure. The guy, one guy does service. He's the same guy who sells because they trust this guy because he's, they've let him into his house. You know, yeah. the other one, the other guy came, so they don't, it's not like he's a stranger, but, but it just seems like a better uh, sales situation to have one yeah. guy doing the whole thing with helpers, and, maybe, but one guy, it's their guy. Yeah. And I think maybe part of that is um, that the name sales, all mm. some people have this connotation with the sleazy car salesman, you know, right. that, yep. so as soon as a salesperson comes, I wonder if sometimes, um, their guards are up maybe already. Yeah. And sometimes, 
again, I, I don't want to just speak to the worst in the industry, but there are some guys who are doing, you know, comfort sales that two years ago they were selling mattresses sure. and they don't have the technical background. And so it, there's a thing there that I don't know. I just, I just, it's just my judgment. No, no offense meant to anybody, but I think it's a better customer service experience yeah. to have the guy who knows the whole program selling it yeah, and or offering the options or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and there's definitely a place for just salespeople, but um, it makes sense to me that a, a customer is going to take the information better and it's going to have a kind of a trust relationship that's already been built up with that first tech. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because then they have this one guy. And they can, you know, get his business card, put a magnet on over it on the refrigerator. And this is now their guy. I mean, this right. is, this is to me, this is really, I think, where the industry is going. Uh, some of the big companies, the Siemens, the, those kind of companies, they're putting the customer uh, relationship management role into the tech uh, tech's hand so that the, the, the tech will have a set of customers and that's that tech's customers. And it isn't like there's somebody else who's the relationship manager and the tech just shows up to do technical stuff and leaves again. Sure. And Because I think it just becomes a superior, because from the customer's perspective, it's it's just easier to have, you know, if you call it a one-stop shop personally or whatever, like this one guy is my guy. I don't, if, they, if somebody else comes and this guy says they're okay, they're okay. But all I have to know is this one guy and I can get what I need. Yeah. And yeah. So, it, but you know, again, different people have different models and I don't, I'm not condemning anybody when, in if yeah, different. right. Right. Absolutely. Well, very interesting. Anything else for tech? So you would want to throw in there and say, Hey, be sure to pay attention to this. <laughs> I, I think relationships is huge. You know, yeah. if you can establish good customer relationship, if you can establish a good relationship with your boss and your coworkers, um, yeah, I think relationships is huge. So that's something that I'm always thinking about. The things that keep me up at night aren't usually the, how am I going to fix X, Y, Z? It's usually how am I going to um, pull through for customer, you know, X, Y, Z, that trust relationship with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm about. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it would be great if, well, I'm trying to fill in that space a little bit myself with the people skills for technicians side, but it would be great if there was this kind of as much focus on the technical part of it, mm -hmm. as much focus on the, the personal part of it as there is on the technical yeah. part of it, because yeah. it, it is as much people as, as equipment, oh, especially residential. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Well, cool, Isaac. Well, man, look at us. We've we've uh, put together a whole podcast. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Isaac, if someone wants to reach out to you, text, they hear about you there in Minnesota. They want to reach out. Maybe they want to even come work for you. How do, how do people find you? Yeah, I'll give you my phone number. 507-740-1579. That's the best place to reach me. Um, I got a website ignite heating and refrigeration.com it's long you don't need to remember that <laughs> if you call me that's great my, my email address is ignite refrigeration at gmail.com and that's another good way to get a hold of me but i love to talk i love to learn any questions yeah. um, people in the mankato area that want to find a job yeah absolutely 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, thanks so much, Isaac, for taking the time to be on the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Perfect. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. A good life is had at the HVAC Joy Lab. A good life is had at the HVAC Joy Lab.